Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 1st of December. I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined again by CEC Leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Robbie. In this week's CEC Report, Turnbull forced to call Banking Royal Commission, but why is APRA off limits? And the real issue in the Dastiari affair is ASIO, not China. So first, Turnbull forced to call Banking Royal Commission, but why is APRA off limits? And Craig, you almost feel like a big round of applause here. That's right. You've right. done this is this is quite a victory, really. But we're going to we've got a lot to go through to unpack yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say too much, Robbie, till the end because I want you to give people a real sense of the motion that's been created, what we've created, yeah. and the tr the massive transformations that have taken place in the last week. And we've put out a press release today where we, we go through some of this so people can read some of it on there. But let me just go through what's happened. So if you were watching the news yesterday, the 30th of November, Malcolm Turnbull obviously, and the banks actually, they jumped before they were pushed. They knew that this Royal Commission was going to happen. They had no control over it. Um, uh, in fact, they there was this, there's an article in the Australian newspaper today, Craig, talking about how in this National Senator's office, Barry O'Sullivan, the door was open and people from the Greens and Labor and cetera were wandering in there and adding more stuff onto the terms of reference. And Kelly O'Dwyer goes in there, the, the, the minister, um, who is a former banker herself with NAB, I believe. She just has a heart attack seeing this process and they just had to jump. They scrambled because they, they just lost control, no control at all over their own backbenches, etc. And they had to, to jump and head this off at the pass. Actually, an insider, Craig... Um, in Parliament predicted to me that when a push came to shove, he said Malcolm Turnbull will have the terms of reference for a Royal Commission already in his back pocket to pull out to make sure he controls the process. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've seen happen because it, it all comes down to those terms of reference and to their um, choice of commissioner. It's interesting though that they can't get anything right per old Mel. So he would like the media to say, Turnbull has given the public what it wants. Instead, everyone in the, in the media need the public saying, hang on, the bank said he could do it, and then he did it. Who's running Australia? Right? It, it's just shown up transparently how blatant, the, the blatant control of the banking system is here. And it's not just, it's the big four banks he consulted and um, uh, APRA and the Reserve Bank. Now, we in the Citizens Electoral Council and you, the CEC's regular viewers on the CEC report, played a role in this. And let me just digress for a second. We've been getting a lot of responses, Robbie, in from exactly. CEC viewers saying that they've responded to the, the uh, putting submissions if, if in. You've made it, if you've written a letter, yeah. you played a role in this. And I want to emphasise that because if you haven't written a letter, you've still got to do one. Submissions close on the 18th of December, Craig, and to this APRA inquiry. Yeah. And every letter is going to add to the pressure, the excruciating pressure on the government in Parliament. You can do it. So don't put it off and, you know, whatever. Write a letter to the committee that I mean, details on the They've been calling you, Robbie, to say, please don't put too much pressure on That's us already. Right. And haven't really started. I, I, could, I, I get them on the phone and you can hear the sweat. You know, they, they, they're feeling it. Anyway, so th just to digress, why do we know we've played a role? Well, first of all, the financial review, the Australian financial review, which is effectively the banker's rag, they're a bit hung up on us at the moment, Craig. So on Saturday, um, which was the 25th of November, in their morning, in the editorial on, on the paper that day, they attacked the CEC for this push for a Royal Commission, right? And they defended, they, they said there's no need for a Royal Commission. And interestingly, when I read it, you see in the article, 
They use exactly the same excuse the banks used in the letter they wrote to John to, to Malcolm Turnbull. And they're basically saying, look, we banks, we've got all these technological um, challenges at the moment with new technologies bringing in new type of lending. It's all disruption. We don't need a Royal Commission on time like this. The Financial Review made exactly the same argument. And then they turned their uh, fire onto us. And this is what they wrote on Saturday. Political scrutiny of banks, as we reported this week, now involves Senate committees giving time to cranks like the Citizens Electoral Council, affiliated with American conspiracy theorist Lyndon LaRouche. So um, we should, I don't know what we should call it, the, the crank uh, report. We can rename the CEC report, Craig, the crank report. Though there were some jokes the other day because I keep calling us a fringe political party so that we could call it the fringe oh, crank uh, report. Where's your fringe, Robbie? Yeah, where's my fringe indeed? Um, but anyway, so this is, why is the financial review zeroing in on us? Well, because unlike the other calls for Royal Commission, etc., we haven't been a big part of that. What we've done is we've zeroed in on the number one problem in the banking system, which is the structure of it that allows all these sins to take place in the first place. Um, and the giveaway there about our role is in the terms of reference that um, Malcolm Turnbull and Scott Morrison released, they have effectively acknowledged um, our campaign because apart from the general watering down of everything else in the terms of reference, they explicitly state that the Royal Commission is not allowed to investigate ACRA. This is explicit. So here's what, here's what it says. Quote, The Commission is not required to inquire into and may not make recommendations in relation to macro prudential policy, regulation or oversight, and then very usefully provides a definition of macroprudential policy, which is, quote, macroprudential policy and regulation means policy and regulation, including as to the structure, role and purpose of financial regulators that is concerned with containing systemic risk, which can have widespread implications for the financial system as a whole beyond simply the banking system. That, Craig, is APRA that, and, and the way APRA operates. That's what they're dealing with there. APRA is off limits. So the very issue the CEC has been focused on and has got all you viewers and all our supporters involved in, in um, uh, exposing to parliamentarians, exposing the general public, the very issue is the issue the government has moved to suppress. And at this stage, I have to say thank you to Malcolm Turnbull for this because it's all, all he's going to do is give it um, even more publicity. Now, let's take a quick break and we'll continue this straight afterwards. Welcome back to the CEC Report where we're discussing Turnbull forced to call Banking Royal Commission, but why is APRA off limits? And as we said just before the break, Craig, in the terms of reference that Turnbull made sure he could control to try, and I should emphasise try to control the Royal Commission, even though he's going to control the terms of reference and, and the choice of commissioner. Um, John Howard was on Sky News last week, and he's an old stager, he's, a, he's an experienced operative. He's a banker's man um, through and through, right? And he warned the problem with the Royal Commission is not that it's a waste of money, he said, it's because it could get out of control. That's what he warned, right? It often does. So Turnbull's going to try and control it, and the specific thing that he did is insert into the terms of reference an order that the, that the Royal Commission is not allowed to look at APRA 
and the question of APRA's powers, the structure of the regulations in Australia, which of course is our issue. Why? What is so, what's the big deal here from their standpoint? The entire banking system, Craig, the private banks, the, the etc., uh, everything else, they're, they're vested interest in APRA's powers because APRA is their protector. We ran articles in the Australian Alert Service for, with an APRA insider saying, look, APRA protects the banks. It doesn't supervise them, it protects them. Mm -hmm. It covers for them. More so than that, APRA is not, on its, not, not alone here. APRA is part of a global apparatus. APRA is the, is the agency in Australia for the Bank for International Settlements. It runs this protection racket around the whole world. The Bank for International Settlements every year produces figures for off-balance sheet um, derivatives trading, right? They know more than anybody how out of control this is, but why produce the figures? Are they, have they done anything to crack down on it? Absolutely no way, right? And that's what blew up the financial system, and since then, they're the ones that have brought in um, things like bail-in, which is the idea that, oh, because they knew after 2008 if they tried to bail out banks, you know, they had to say, oh, we're not going to bail out banks again because the public's so angry, we're going to have this bail-in system, except they didn't want the public to know that meant using their savings. Tax, using taxpayers' money to literally put it into the banking system, they're going to actually say, okay, well, we've got this big pool of money in depositors' funds, your funds, we're going to say, okay, like they did in Cyprus yep. in 2013, yep. we're going to take those deposits and we're going to literally take them. And so, of course, the CEC, and I may as well take the time to tell the story here, yeah, one, of sure. our, one of our members in the in the room the other end of this building. On a Friday afternoon, um, and I, I joked to him, he should have been doing his job. <laughs> this was his job actually, but it's not, his, it's not his normal job. He happened to notice a press release from Scott Morrison announcing this APRA bill to give APRA these powers for crisis resolution. And he understood the language meant bailing mm -hmm. and brought it to our attention. That's where this whole thing came from. Ap Scott Morrison did that on a Friday afternoon because this was supposed to receive no scrutiny. Right? We are the ones that have exposed that this is bail-in for Australia. It definitely means bail-in bonds, yeah. hybrid securities. They're, going to, they're open about that. We're going to bail them in, and the language could mean deposits. Back in 2013, Robbie, we saw the, in, the Financial Stability Board said that there was legislation in train, quote, That's right. for Australia. Now, we tried to find that legislation, but as soon as we started and mounted a campaign in 2013, to, to, uh, we, we actually published uh, our Glass-Steagall Glass Now booklet, published all the evidence for this. Everything was basically covered over. Now, this is what this, this legislation yeah. that was be, is brought up now is a result and is this particular legislation that was being introduced. And train. so we were wary to it. That's why yeah. Doug was able to, to um, detect it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, we've been you know, uh, uh, anticipating this. Um, so this is their racket. This is the, and, and the privates, the, all parts of the financial system want APRA to have these powers. They might complain about certain things. No one bank is important in this system. It's about keeping this this um, private banking monopoly out of government's reach, and APRA provides the, the way to do that with with um, with these kinds of powers. So because we've been blowing the whistle on it, that's why it's come to the attention on, on the, of the financial review. And of course, the financial review had to give us credit for getting the APRA bill referred to the Senate committee. And now that Malcolm Turnbull has said, this Royal Commission cannot look at the APRA and these laws, it shows you even more what a victory that was to get it referred to the Senate committee, right? And that's why your submission is so important to make it. Um, but now that since then, the financial review has been trying to say, you know, look, um, uh, the, the CEC are cranks, you know, uh, and they're wrong on this. So the latest is an example. And I just want to give you an example. This, this was the day yesterday, which was the day the commission was called for. 
the 30th November issue of the Financial Review um, said that our claims of bail-in in this uh, APRA bill were contradicted by the ratings agency Standard and Poor's. And the headline for the article, Craig, was Australian banks the best regulated in the world, S&P. Well, <laughs> anyway, I'll come back to S&P in a minute, but it, it just, the fact that it's S&P makes you laugh. Mm -hmm. This is what they said in the Fin Review yesterday. Quote, S&P confirmed that there was nothing new in the bill currently before the parliament increasing the crisis resolution powers of the Australian Prudential and Regulation Authority that would make it question its assessment of government supportiveness. The comments pushed back on fears stirred by the fringe party, the Citizens Electoral Council of Australia, in recent weeks that the bill might allow APRA to seize deposits in a crisis. And I take that as a backhanded compliment because I know we are the ones that are, that are exposing this to people. They're saying stirring, but we're exposing this is the potential of this bill, right? Mm -hmm. But let's just address S&P for a second. So they're saying S&P contradicts us. Well, S&P is part of this global banking racket, as far as I'm concerned. And just to remind viewers what S&P's opinions are worth, um, remember the 2008 financial crisis. And just to, re re just to make it sensuous, watch this classic clip from the movie The Big Short. And what, it, what you see is the, the, these hedge fund guys that are investigating um, the derivatives that they fear it could collapse and bring down the system, which they did, these CDOs, they go and see S&P. Roll the tape. Point partners, how can Standard & Poor's help you? Well, we don't understand why the ratings agencies haven't downgraded subprime bonds since mm. the underlying loans are clearly deteriorating. Well, the delinquency rates do have people worried, but they're actually within our models. So, says you, you're convinced <laughs> the underlying mortgages in these bonds are solid loans? That is our opinion, oh, yes. Oh, crack the tape. Have you looked at the loan level data? What do you think right, we I mean, do you're giving here these all loans day. to anybody with a, with a credit score Excuse and a pulse. Me, sir, what do you think we do here all day? I'm not sure. That's why we're here. Here's what I don't understand. We check, we recheck. If these recheck mortgage again. bonds are so stable, if they are so Perhaps solid. You can check your friend. Hmm? Have you ever refused to rate? That's delusional. That. We Georgia, we stand behind have that. you ever refused to rate any of these bonds upper tranches AAA? Can we see the paperwork on those things? Oh, deals? I'm under no obligation to share that information with you. Just to answer the be. question, Georgia, can you name one time in the past year where you checked the tape and you didn't give the banks the AAA percentage they wanted? If we don't give them the ratings, they'll go to Moody's, right down the block. If we don't work with them, they will go to our competitors. Not our fault, simply the way the world works. Holy ah, shit. Yes, now you see. So, Craig, we're supposed to take the assurances of outfits like S&P that are just crooks. They should be in jail, frankly, to say, oh, don't worry about this thing being bailing. Right? Rubbish. Well, the only way we're going to, the only guarantee you have is ourselves, mm. right? Forcing them to stop this, defeat this bill outright. Anyway, the Royal Commission, just to end on that note, it's clearly damage control, obviously, Craig. The thing is, though, it's transparently so, right? And therefore, it's not going to be able to get away with damage control, I don't believe. The, import, the victory is we've forced them into it. And that is you, the viewer, you know, by participating in this. Isn't it time, Craig, that now we're at this point, let's, isn't it time to escalate against the APRA bill and demand Glass-Steagall instead? 
Robert, we were dealing with the systems collapsing under the weight of the global financial crisis. It's never been solved. We're moving into a period where there's a worse financial crisis coming. The debt's built up. This derivative speculation is out of control because of the size of it. And you know, we're talking about two quadrillion dollars of speculative yeah. instruments that no one knows how to deal with. And the, the international financial system admits to that, right? So what are you going to do? We have to protect the necessary banking system for the local economy, and that is Glass-Steagall. Now, whilst we've talked a lot about the, the APRA bill and so forth, that is simply a process of protecting the banks yep. against the people. And what we say, this is a political problem where we have to have Glass-Steagall to protect the people against the banks. And how does Glass-Steagall do that? Glass-Steagall protects the legitimate commercial banking system and it protects people's deposits by separating out the investment banking from the merchant banking and all that speculative side of things. It's just so the banks that are in the legitimate system are not allowed to behave the way that we've come to exactly. expect banks behave. And that's that's why you don't even actually need a royal commission. You could like you could you know legislate for Glass Steagall tomorrow, and all this stuff with that's been happening with the merchants and the uh, you know investment banking system, just cut it off. Yeah. Right. So this is the difference between our policy, which is actually to protect the people against the banks as opposed to the banking system itself trying to protect itself with its political minions and so forth through royal commissions and the fact that you see the proof is in the pudding that the fact is they can't let they can't let the public scrutinize the regulator which is of course a creature of the banks yeah that is proof of, of the uh, the nature of this thing so what i want to tell the viewer is understand how afraid of you the power structures in Canberra and Sydney and Wall Street and London are. They're afraid. This is when, you know, it's why did, why did Jeremy Corbyn in the UK elections say, have a, a slogan for the many, not the few? Because when the many act, it's overwhelming to the power structures, right? And what we're doing is focusing on this weak point. This is their vulnerability. It's their most egregious source of strength because they can just crush everybody financially. But when people identify it, it's not there anymore. That's why you have to make a submission. So if you haven't done it yet, get, up, get the details off our website and on the screen. Write your letter today. You're probably running out of time to send a letter, so you might have to send an email. The deadline is the 18th of December. And I shouldn't say this, but can I add, the 18th of December is my birthday. So a great present will be to know there was thousands of submissions, all right? And this is going to freak them out big time. Just know that. And so take Robert your birthday present. Yeah, take pleasure in that and do it. Okay, let's take a break. Welcome back to the CEC report. Finally, the real issue in the Dastyari affair is ASIO, not China. Now, Craig, so the big news is a big scandal, actually, the, the day before this Royal Commission was announced. Um, Sam, the Labor Senator, Sam Dastyari, has been exposed for cozying up to a Chinese businessman and saying pro-China things for donations. Now, it's not a good look. I don't approve it. I'm not vouching for Sam Dastyari at all. That's the way. Although I must say, to single him out for that type of behaviour, cozying it for donations, is a bit crazy. They all do it, mm -hmm. right? We're the only party that doesn't cozy up to big business for donations. However, I have to say this as well. The CEC says exactly the same thing Sam Dastyari said without needing donations, right? Because what he's saying about China is right. The South China Sea is none of our business. And in fact, we make a bigger deal about it, Craig, than Vietnam, Philippines, and all the other players in, the, in it, right? Yep. This is us playing another role, which I'll get you to talk about in a minute. The other thing I want to say is if you want to talk about foreign donations influencing policy in Australia, you know, because I, I agree that's, that seems alarming, John Howard's Liberals 
in 2004 got a million dollars from a British conservative peer, Lord Ashcroft, who's also a tax dodger, by the way, exposed in his latest Paradise Papers. And as far as I'm concerned, that big donation in 2004 was a blatant payoff for Howard's support and Australia's participation in the illegal invasion of Iraq, right? Because we were serving foreign interests in doing that. And, you know, that's much worse than anything Sam Dastyari did. However, I want you think, viewers to understand this, think about this. This Sam Dastyari story is not a new story. It, it no. came out last year, right? Um, why is, did this suddenly become an issue now? Well, there's two things about this. It obviously came from ASIO spying on an Australian senator. And I, I want to play a clip from Sky News two days ago when um, uh, Kieran Gilbert interviews the Attorney General on this question and tries to get him to answer it. Are you, are you worried at all that some of this information is making its way into the public domain, given it always looks like very sensitive work from our national security agencies? Well, I, as I say, I'm, I'm not going to confirm any particular fact that's been reported in relation to ASIO. Um, obviously, the journalists from Fairfax and the ABC have been very industrious. This story that was published first in the Fairfax papers yesterday morning was had, had all the hallmarks of having a lot of work put into it. Well, indeed it did, but th there's only really one way that this information might have been obtained if it was well, between Mr uh, Huang and Senator Dastyari, that conversation. There's only one way it would, well, I'm not it would have turned the light. Well, Kieran, I'm not going to comment on that. But, I mean, it's, but it's, it's obvious, isn't it? If it's in the paper, mm -hmm. you know, two people so, at this conversation at Mossman... Well, look, that, that people can draw their own conclusions, but... ...the agencies, and, and you never do that. However, can you give our viewers the reassurance that ASIO is not tapping the phones of politicians? Well, I, I never comment on ASIO investigations, and I, I, I neither to confirm them nor to deny them, and I'm not going to this morning. And as you can see... George Brandison put the evasive because they're not going to touch that. That is the issue. Are we as Australians happy that ASIO spies on behalf on, on Australian senators, right? The people we elect. So that's one point. But even that, Craig, is still a timing question. ASIO's had that for a while. Why did it come out now? Well, it turns out Dastyari was leading Labor's negotiations on this Banking Royal Commission terms of reference. And since... Um, Turnbull and Morrison have had to do this backflip. They've come out um, to, to, to discredit the people pushing for a royal commission. They're focused on all, all on Sam Dastyari. And they're carrying on like, oh, look, see, see how crazy this push was? This, here's a guy involved in treason, they imply. In fact, uh, a Liberal senator accused him of treason. You know, that's the type of people pushing this thing, right? It's a mm -hmm. discredit exercise. And would ASIO defend the banks? You bet your bottom dollar they will. That's what these private agencies do. They defend the global financial power structures. That's what they do. But Craig, timing aside, for ASIO to spy on Australian Senator, who is it really working for and what's at stake in this campaign about China? Well, Robbie, since the election of Trump, you know, China, the, the whole Asia pivot program has been at risk. Now, China has been leading the world in the One Belt, One Road policy of you know, changing the paradigm towards real peace and real development. That's what's on the table here. Instead of a, uh, an orientation towards war, and we can remember if you go back before Trump, there was a terrible following period of which we were worrying about war with China. This is a British policy. We've written a lot about this in past New Citizens, and people should get a copy of some of these New Citizens by calling in. This is the issue. 
So you're seeing a, a real policy fight against British policy versus the new paradigm of the One Belt, One Road. That's what the fight's about. No, exactly. And Australia's trying to hold the line on their whole war agenda. Yep. Anyway, so Craig, thanks very much for joining yeah, us. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for tuning in. Make your submission and tune in next week for more.